Hello, world singers. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. Lovely friends, we are back again with another one of Hoyd's Parables. This is going to be the last of our Hoyd's Parables series, and we saved maybe the best for last, certainly the most recent for last. The most recent. Today we're going to be looking at the dog and the dragon from chapter 80 of Rhythm of War. For those of you that are following along, I know there are many of you. And for everyone else, you are welcome to join the conversation on the different social medias like Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, all the different things, Patreon, everything exists for you. This is an interesting one in a few different ways. When I started thinking about potentially doing this episode, I was kind of like, what are we going to say about it? Because it's so much more straightforward of a story than many of the parables we've talked about, which we've kind of needed to like interpret and really dive into. And this one felt a little bit more on the nose, which I think is the case. But it's actually very interesting to take a look at this story at the end of this parable series and see the ways in which it is different from the previous parables and the way that it sort of comments on the fact that Hoyd tells these parables and what he's doing with them and what they mean. And then, of course, in a super meta way, commenting on Brandon Sanderson telling stories to all of us. And then us repeating and breaking down those stories. (laughs) I agree that this is more direct of a parable or one of the stories that Hoyd tells. And In the last episode, when we went seven layers deep on what the moon could possibly be, to me, the most interesting thing about this story and what makes it stick in my mind is like something important that happened with a capital I is the setting and kind of the scene that is existing around Hoyt and Kaladin in this moment. I think the chapter on a whole is super important and is one of the most memorable Uh, scenes from the book and is like one of probably the biggest scenes for the Cosmere fandom that like people remember and go back to and quote from. So sort of the environment of the story is super important. The story itself, like you said, is not going to go seven layers deep, at least as far as we know at this point. Let's do a little bit of background and then we can dive into the story proper. This is coming towards the end of Rhythm of War. Kaladin is at his near lowest point, if not his lowest point. He is trapped in nightmares that are horrifically realistic, a torture device devised by Odium to break Kaladin from the inside. Now, I have an interesting speculation about how that was pulled Mm, off mm -hmm, magically, mm -hmm. but let's hold that and just with the history, Kaladin is, you know, having dreams of being covered in creme, buried alive, and living in an internal darkness friends dying, you know, horrific shrieks, all the kind of 101 terrible stuff. Yeah, pretty bad place 101. He is, while we have seen Kaladin be very low, 
certainly this appears to be the lowest that Kaladin has ever been. Kaladin would be really good at limbo. They're like, how low can you go? And he's like, I can just keep going lower, guys. You thought I was at my lowest point? I'm going to keep going. You thought bridge for me standing on the edge of a chasm about to jump? No, 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 no. Not the lowest point. (laughs) It's deep. He is very, very low. And then we have this quote. A glowing arm plunged into the creme, burning it away like vapor. A hand seized Kaladin by the front of his vest, then heaved him up out of the pool. A glowing white figure pulled him close, sheltering him from the wind as it hauled him the last few feet towards the light, end quote. And Kaladin then remarks that there is, quote, another person among the shadows and lies, end quote. And then he also notices that, quote, the figure drew in color, the light fading away, revealing wit, end quote. Now, wit encompasses both of them in a bubble. And I use that phrase purposefully, but kind of a bubble of warmth that is seemingly like a force field keeping out the Mm -hmm. nightmare. And then we have all of these interesting descriptions that accompany Wit's entrance. Most importantly, I think, is the figure drawing in color or appearing to draw in color. Yeah, of course, we can't see a reference like that without thinking it may have something to do with awakening and the Nalthian magic system. Because we certainly have the distortion of light that is created by the God King, but have we seen any other types of bending of light with maybe characters like are returned i don't remember like a heightening that says specifically and then light distorts around you except for the god king which would be the 10th heightening i mean this doesn't seem like that correct but it seems like something yeah but it seems like something I definitely think that, you know, a high amount of investiture, Hoyd would have to be doing something or existing in some realm where his investiture is basically fighting that of Odium's and like conflicting with Odium's. It's a weird situation that I think we could speculate about a lot. Let's actually, let's go just a little bit further and then we'll talk more about this because Wit then says about this whole nightmare scenario that, quote, this isn't playing fair, end quote, referring to Odium, like Odium isn't playing playing fair, fair. yeah, by doing this. And then Kaladin asks Wit, how is it that we are both here? And Wit replies that neither one of them is actually here. Quote, this is another planet, or it looks like one, and not a pleasant one, mind you, the kind without lights. No stormlight ones, gaseous ones, or even electric ones. Damn place barely has an atmosphere, end quote. And then he also comments that, quote, It's hard for shards to invade minds like this, except in a specific set of circumstances, end quote. Okay, so that was a bunch of quotes that we've kind of thrown at you all at once. We tried to break them up a little bit, but I think the collection of this different information that we get about what Hoyd looks like when he is entering this place and creating this little bubble around them. And then his description of what we believe to be Braze. Yeah, he seems to be referring to Braze, but like obviously they're not actually 
on Braze, Odium has somehow invaded Kaladin's mind and created a fake Braze, apparently. So then, you know, because I was thinking maybe Wit is traveling through the cognitive realm and somehow they are both actually on Braze, but I don't think that's the case. But then it is like, what is the nature of this weird magical dream world and why is it like not playing fair? And then how is Hoyd able to access it? Okay. Are we ready? Okay. Let's. You're going to jump into your crazy corner? Time for the Cosmere Conversations Crazy Corner with Tyler. I think that this is, because of the information we get earlier, a conversation between Odium and Moash, Mm -hmm. when Odium implies that he is going to use Moash Mm -hmm. to attack Kaladin. Like the connection between them, Capital C connection is where I'm going with this. I think that Moash's connection to Kaladin is so strong that it would be considered a capital C connection, that it is part of the fabric of both Kaladin and Moash. Okay. And that connection is then interrupted or hacked by Odium because Odium is connected to Moash. Mm, Okay. So Odium goes through Moash using the capital C connection to get to Kaladin to present an image of where Odium is on Braze. Some speculation that... Odium's physical body, Race's physical body, is the thing that is trapped on Braze. And that oh. it is a spiritual connection through Rashar and to Rashar. And so basically, it's like a taking the experiences of physical body, Raysa, channeling them through Odium's power into Moash over to Kaladin, and then projecting that around Kaladin, creating the nightmare. Why do you think that Raysa is on Braze? I feel like there is not a lot of evidence that the physical body is on Braze, especially because yeah, it's like seemingly why... on Rashar by the time that he dies. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the, I think we've talked about this before, when a person becomes a vessel, their body is assumed into the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. and then it reappears in the physical realm after they die, slash after they are no longer a vessel. So I don't know why Odium would be any different. Only trying to make more connections to the fused being trapped on damnation. If yeah. like a large well, and part the heralds of, are there. And so like if a large part of Odium's power, maybe not the physical body, but like something about Braze and Odium. Yeah, he has are kind more of, power there. Yeah, strongly connected. And so that was... Only trying to say that it seems like they're on Braze, but Kaladin's not on Braze. So then I'm just working backwards to get mm-hmm. who's the closest thing to Braze. And that's either the Heralds, which also have big, strong capital C connections to a bunch of these players. Uh, the Fused, who don't really seem to have a connection to Kaladin in the way they would allow a hack. And Odium himself. So I just was trying mm-hmm. to do like a process Got of it. elimination to get us. But how do we get to Braze? Yeah. And that's... Then opening up the door to the question of how does Hoyd intercept or like be a part of this communication between Odium, Moash, and Kaladin? Yeah, I think there's just a question of like, what exactly is this and where is it? Hoyd says at some point that it is similar to the visions that Dalinar 
received from Honor slash the Stormfather. Mm. But I think even that is like not really clear if that's happening in the cognitive realm or the spiritual realm or something completely different. I mean, even on our Earth, we're like, question mark, what are dreams, you know? (laughs) It certainly would be or is a demonstration of a kind of unique power that we haven't necessarily seen anywhere else. And Hoyd seems pretty explicit about the idea that this is, A, not normal, and B, somehow bending or breaking the rules about shards directly involving themselves with people. It's kind of like a weird question to me because clearly the shards, cultivation, honor included, are all manipulating characters like Dalinar and bumping him around to move in a certain fashion. So like why Dalinar but not Kaladin? Is there some like level of degree of importance? For a second I was going to say like maybe the shard has to have a connection to a specific individual in order to show them a vision like this. Yeah. Hence, Odium, Moash, etc. But now I'm remembering, I mean, it's not like Honor or the Stormfather had a connection to Dalinar before they started showing him visions. I feel like the Stormfather says, like, I could choose someone that seemed good and give them visions. (laughs) So that theory is in the trash. It does remind me of the difference between Vin and Kelsier dealing with the power of preservation and how- Yeah, they have to have some kind of affinity. Yes, or connection to those shards, Kelsier being too much of ruin to properly Mm -hmm. wield the shard of preservation. Maybe there's something similar. Hmm. But I do think it's interesting that right now, at least Hoyd considers Kaladin not important enough- he, he considers Kaladin to be like normal and normal people aren't supposed to be affected right. by the shards in this yeah. way. Yeah. Speaking of normal, wit is like, hey, man, what's up? Talk <laughs> talk to your wit here. Welcome to wit's psychiatry hour. Exactly. You've yeah. He said ended the... up in my space bubble. <laughs> Here's the couch that I will present to you. Please lay down, rest your head and tell me tell all your me troubles. Tell me your troubles. And Kaladin is basically like, I am normal. Everything has been a lie. I'm not a strong hero type. Not stormless. I've ne- yeah, I've never been strong enough. It's just, you know, all a front. He's like, I've been fronting real hard. And Wit is basically just like, okay, yeah, I get that. He does a really good job of like active listening and just validating Kaladin's experience, which is uh, impressive for Hoyt. Hoyt says, quote, it's not such a terrible thing to be weak. Makes us need one another. End quote. Yeah, and Kaladin's just like, uh, you're not gonna like try to inspire me and, you know, pat me on the shoulder and say, you can do it, kiddo, get back out there. And what's like, no, I mean, you know what your limits are. We're just gonna chill here and eat some pretend stew that's not really here, but it will make you feel better. I definitely feel like you, if I was Hoyt, I would just be like, Look around, bro. Like, you're right. This is a sad, (laughs) sad day. (laughs) There's a bunch of bad stuff going on, especially at that point. Yeah. Clearly a rough time for everyone across Rashar. And then we get, you know, the opening of Kaladin, the the weakness of Kaladin that is then expressing itself when Kaladin asks Wit to tell him a story. The first notable difference between this parable and all of the others. Quote, Wit, Kaladin said, do you maybe have a story you could tell me? 
wit froze, spoon in his mouth. He stared at Kaladin, lowering his hand, leaving the spoon between his lips, before eventually opening his mouth to stare slack-jawed, the spoon falling into his waiting hand. What? Kaladin asked. Why are you so surprised? Well, Wit said, recovering, it's simply that I've been waiting for someone to actually ask. They never seem to. He grinned, then leaned forward and lowered his voice. There is an inn, he whispered, that you cannot find on your own. You must stumble across it on a misty street late at night, lost and uncertain in a strange city. The door has a wheel on it, but the sign bears no name. If you find the place and wander inside, you'll meet a young man behind the bar. He has no name. He cannot tell it to you, should he want to. It's been taken from him. But he'll know you, as he knows everyone who enters the inn. He'll listen to everything you want to tell him, and you will want to talk to him. And if you ask him for a story, he'll share one like he shared with me. And I will now share it with you. End quote. Now, this is immediately a very interesting beginning. It is such an interesting beginning, giving us so many different rabbit holes that we can go down. It almost seems infinite. Like there is just it's a whack-a-mole situation because it everyone seems has a little. Clearly to be a reference. A reference to another story. Yeah. And. We don't want to say we know for sure. I don't think that there's a specific word of Brandon about where this comes from. There's not a word of Brandon, but there is a word of Peter. (laughs) Good old Peter. (laughs) So when I first read this, I was like, wait, is this a reference to Name of the Wind? I thought maybe it was talking about the bar and the innkeeper in Name of the Wind. And it's been a while since I've read that book. And so I was like, is there something on the door? I can't really remember, but I feel like maybe this is kind of the same. As a slightly bigger fan of Name of the Wind, I do not think that the Waystone Inn would fit the description here, but that's the type of thing that really starts to jump to the front of your mind. There are other references, though, specifically the Wheel of Time. Yes. According to Peter, it is a deep Wheel of Time fandom reference. Like, it's it seemed like from the word of Peter, not directly in the Wheel of Time, but something, you know, like, like a Chicken Scout reference in the Cosmere, which is not actually anything in the Cosmere, just something in the fandom. That is what I gathered from a brief perusal of the internet. I love the idea of like a writing prompt where you begin with a little bit of information. There is an inn that you can only find when you are lost in a strange new city. And if you enter through the door that has a wheel, you will meet a man with no name. And then from there, the story is created and, you know, you can go off in any direction. And so that's a little bit what this feels like. It's a a prelude to allow for the story to exist. Yeah. And the story that Hoyd tells that he says comes from the innkeeper is the dog and the dragon. And here we are at the story proper. Wit starts telling the story by saying that this story is meaningless. There is no moral. There's no point to this story. It's just a story. So again, something that is immediately setting this apart from all of the other parables that he has told. And when he tells Kaladin that the story is called The Dog and the Dragon, Kaladin says, The what? And the what? You people, Wit said. 
a dog is a hound, like an axe hound. It's funny, you can't realize, Wit said. Humans will selectively breed for the same traits regardless of the planet they're on. But you can't be amazed at the convergent examples of domestication across the Cosmere. You can't know any of this because you live on a giant ball of rock full of slime where everything is wet and cold all the time. This is a dog, Kaladin. They're fluffy and loyal and wonderful. This, on the other hand, is a dragon. End quote. A giant ball of a rock full of slime that is wet and cold all the time. Are they talking about the Pacific Northwest? Uh, <laughs> that is how I feel in the winter. There are a few things about this uh, story that rereading was particularly poignant uh, during this cold, dark winter time, but also an excellent description of dogs. And I love that for all of his flaws. Hoyt is clearly a dog fan. Yes, he's definitely a dog person, although strikes me as more of a cat. I feel like cats would really like him. Uh, I think that would be the weird aspect is that Hoyt is a dog person, but cats like him. Yes. In the story, a dog living on a farm sees a dragon flying overhead and is mesmerized and becomes enamored with the idea of elevating beyond his own position as a lowly dog to become something mighty like a dragon. Yeah, and I think just to sort of at least try to read into this story a little bit, the dog is said to just be very common. Common. You know, it's just the most ordinary dog ever that is very easy to be ignored, which I feel like is kind of how Kaladin is seeing himself at this point. He's like, look, I'm just normal. I'm just a regular guy on a regular planet, a regular human. And yet they have aspirations to become great. This is also when we get some intersection between Hoyd and his Spren design. Yes, design appears to help him tell the story. And design is just wonderful. She's very sassy. She does not take any of Hoyd's shit. And she is like, maybe the only entity that we have seen to like, truly test Hoyd's patience. That's true. I mean, I I do not believe that there are a lot of other characters that have been shown to just like, instantly interrupt Hoyd and you know break his stride so like even when he interacts with Kelsier obviously he doesn't like Kelsier but he sort of just like swats him right like a fly and is just like get out of my way like you are design not. seems to actually annoy him <laughs> yes just be he like looks design, at this is my story time come on man he says I have bonded a literal monster <laughs> To the story, for the dog, there are three steps to becoming a dragon. One, you must have colorful scales. Two, you must speak the language of men. And three, you must learn to fly. And he tries to accomplish each of these things one by one, even though, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, he's constantly (laughs) being swatted down by everyone around him. Yes, oh my gosh, you're so right. This is a great seasonal story. Each time he learns new skills in an attempt to become a dragon. All of the other dogs on the farm tell him that he looks stupid and silly, and they continue to say, just go back to being a dog. You know, stop trying to be more than you are, basically. And then eventually he uses all of those skills to rescue 
the farmer's child from drowning in the well. A very classic Lassie Lassie scenario. So again, really direct with this story. But I do want to go through like the things that he learns because he's trying to get colorful scales and he comes up with a plan, a solution. Very creative. This is like the most impressive one, in my opinion. Especially because dogs are colorblind. So I I think he's (laughs) just really well beyond his dogness already. He sees colorful seeds and he wants them to be his scales, but he can't just take all the seeds from the farmer. That yeah, would be like stealing. Yeah, like he's so nice. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to steal them from the farmer. And so he learns how to create more seeds. He learns that you can take a seed, plant it over time, water it, take care of it, nurture it. It'll grow and produce more seeds. And he does all of those things. He like digs little so, holes, yes. plants them with his mouth, covers them over. He waters them every day and like tends to his little garden plot producing dozens and dozens of colorful seeds which then he covers his body in like a you know sticky wet mud thing and then just gets all the seeds all over him and he's like look i'm a dragon (laughs) and he gets immediately shut down you know go back to being a dog and the next one he tries to learn the language of men he is taught by the toddler who's also learning how to speak and write, and he learns how to scratch words in the dirt. His friends hate him. Why would a dog ever yeah, need like, to know that? That's not the useful... bellowing of a dragon. Like, what is writing? Go back to being a dog. To learn to fly, he comes up, not comes up with, but he sees the pulley system that's used in the barn to lift up the bales of hay. And he realizes that he can attach that to himself and allow him to fly into the air. This one is so funny. He like calls all of the dogs in and he's like, I'm going to fly. Come watch me. And it even says he like strikes a dramatic pose as he is slowly lowered down by the pulley system. And the other dogs are like, you're just falling very slowly. Clearly, they never saw a Toy Story. He's falling with style. The <laughs> and style. Slowly. It doesn't matter how quick you go. It's about the style. <laughs> and he's got it in spades. As you said, it is all three of these things that allows him to find out that the toddler is in trouble or the baby's in trouble warn everybody else by writing messages in the ground and then saving and rescue the baby using the little contraption and the conclusion of the story is so sweet it's so sweet the dog gets like brought into the house for the evening and he's fed good food and he gets lots of love from the farmer and his family and they give him like a warm bed for the night instead of being in the cold drafty barn And it's so, so sweet. And the only thing that the dog can think is, quote, I could not become a dragon. I am an utter and complete failure, end quote. And And Kaladin interjects and says, quote, that's the wrong ending, Kaladin said. That dog was incredible. He learned to write. How many animals can write on any world? Not many, I should say, Wit noted. He learned to farm and to use tools, Kaladin said. He saved a child's life. That dog is a storming hero. The story wasn't about him trying to be a hero, Wit said. It was about him trying to be a dragon, in which, pointedly, he failed. I told you, Design said happily. Dogs can't be dragons. Who cares, Kaladin said, stalking back and forth. By looking up at the dragon and by trying to become better, he outgrew the other dogs. He achieved something truly special. Kaladin stopped, then narrowed his eyes at Wit. 
feeling his anger turn to annoyance. This story is about me, isn't it? I said I'm not good enough. You think I have impossible goals, and I'm intentionally ignoring the things I've accomplished. Wit pointed with his spoon. I told you this story has no meaning. You promised not to assign it one. As a matter of fact, Design said, you didn't give him a chance to promise. You simply kept talking. Wit glared at her. Blah, 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 she said, rocking her pattern head back and forth at each word. End quote. There are also some very amusing uh, reactions to the story in the duration of its telling. One being that Kaladin is very confused by many of the images that Wit is showing him, like the still green grass and the fact that their barn is like so flimsy and not made out of stone. Their silly wood barn just hanging out there in an open field. That's going to get knocked down instantly, you (laughs) dum-dums. And then Hoyt also has a very interesting observation, which is that he says that his storytelling is much easier. Basically, now that he has become a light weaver, previously he's had to sort of use suggestions and, you know, vague shapes of things and rely on other people's imaginations to really get the storytelling experience. And now that he has light weaving, he's like, it's kind of like too easy. Yeah. He went from (laughs) being like a storyteller in the traditional way to having like an IMAX movie theater. Yeah. And he's just like, well, I don't know. I can show you Batman. You're going to get the point. (laughs) It's Batman. All of that silliness. And then we get to some truly lovely sentiments at the end here. Quote, can you tell me the real ending? Kaladin asked, his voice small. Before I go back out. Wit stood and stepped over, then put his hand on Kaladin's back and leaned in. That night, he said, the little dog snuggled into a warm bed beside the fire, hugged by the farmer's children, his belly full. And as he did, the dog thought to himself, I doubt any dragon ever had it so good anyway, end quote. And Wit says that he can't keep this bubble up forever, that doing this has violated some agreement and opened him up to attacks from Odium. And so he's kind of like, hey, man, we're out of time. Super sorry, but you're going to have to go back out into this nightmare. And Kaladin, of course, is sad, (laughs) as we all would be. And he's like, everything is just going to be worse, isn't it? And this is probably one of my favorite lines in the Stormlight Archive and one that I have been thinking about a lot lately. As I said, in these dark, cold winter days, Hoyd says, quote, this is life. And I will not lie by saying every day will be sunshine, but there will be sunshine again. And that is a very different thing to say. That is truth. I promise you, Kaladin, you will be warm again, end quote. And so while maybe the story is meaningless, the intent and the action of storytelling and the sharing of emotions around a story is not meaningless, not meaningless to Kaladin, not meaningless to Hoyt or anyone else, and is of course, in the story going to propel Kaladin forward and eventually swear the fourth ideal to have a conclusion to the arc that he was set on at the beginning of Rhythm of War. And I love that 
juxtaposition between what we had last week, which was a story that was told very briefly, but then we read incredible depth into Mm -hmm. and speculated a lot about the meaning and the intent and the allegories. And this one that is far more straightforward, but seemingly packs a bigger punch because it's all a punch with emotion or, you know, (laughs) it's all powered by emotion. And those small moments when having someone there at your lowest point is all that matters. Maybe saying the perfect story isn't the key. It's just about being there with someone. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of Kaladin's version of the girl who looked up moment. You know, his lowest point when Hoyd comes and tells him a story. And of course, we have to think about this as a comparison for like, these books, I think, in many of our lives and just the like value of art and storytelling in general, that having a story to reach to, to come to, to watch or read during our lowest points, even if it is not intended for like what we use it for, our ability to glean meaning from Mm -hmm. even quote unquote meaningless stories is incredibly valuable and plays a huge part in I think most of our lives. Absolutely agree 100%. Like the meaning of something is the meaning that you give to it. And for Kaladin, this moment is immensely meaningful. I agree that it is comparable to the girl who stood up with Shalon and taking us all the way back to the beginning of this episode Mm -hmm. when we were talking about how Hoyt said, quote, this is another planet or it looks like one and not a pleasant one, mind you, the kind without lights, end quote. As a reminder, the girl who stood up is a story about a girl who brings light into her world of darkness and... I am curious about maybe how often this tale has kind of been repeated of a dark world Mm. where light is brought to and Braze is one that has not had light yet. Mm, That's interesting. Complete speculation. Again, I'm just trying to milk it for all that it's worth. And when we look at the kind of full scope of Hoyd's different parables that he has told throughout the Stormlight Archive... I certainly think that not all of these stories are on the exact same level in terms of the lore or the mythos or their importance. But what we will come to see is that the moments that the stories existed in were super significant for Mm -hmm. those characters. Mm -hmm. Like we know how the girl who stood up propelled Shalon in a different direction. But we should also look back to when Fleet and Wandersail were told as well as other moments of propelling the characters forward, just like this one is propelling Kaladin forward. And I think that's really kind of the big takeaway that I see from doing all of these at once and kind of reviewing them all in one place. Sort of on that note, I'm interested to see what the significance is of Hoyd's flute. I know that seems like a weird thing to say (laughs) right now, but I was just thinking about it because doesn't Kaladin get the flute during one of those first stories? Either No, I don't think it's fleet. It's got to be Wondersail. Correct. That is when the flute is gifted. And it's been referenced 
you know, many times over the books, even though it really hasn't done anything. And even in this story, when Hoyd starts telling the dog and the dragon, Kaladin's like, oh, you found your flute. And Hoyd's like, no, you idiot. This is a dream. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't have my flute. It's a it's a pretend flute. But just that fact that it comes up again and it comes up in all of these stories. And like you're saying, all of these stories are sort of significant moments. I, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, it's a significant item in some way. And I just had to throw that in there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the flute is lost on the Shattered Plains when they leave quickly and then is returned to Kaladin from like a street vendor. Like the random yeah. Cabbage Patch guy also has a flute. No, he's like a traitor of... I mean, it's basically a random Cabbage Patch guy. And he has the flute and Kaladin's horse from... Tien. Tien, yes. yes. And so major speculation. However, there is another of Brandon's works that we may be talking about on the Patreon that deals with a special item that kind of holds importance, maybe holds some connection. And maybe that's what Hoyd's flute is able to do, somehow connect with the individuals that it deems important or that the owner deems important, and then maybe allows a type of location. Maybe Kaladin's connection to the flute is actually what allowed Hoyd, Hmm. who's also connected to the flute, Mm -hmm. to get to Kaladin. Just kind of like as a, a totem, a, you know, a special yeah. like marker in the physical, spiritual and cognitive realm that could be helpful in some way. Like it's definitely not being mentioned for no reason. I think exactly. Hoyt's flute is coming exactly. back around. And when we see an item like Tien's horse, which has a whole bunch of other spiritual shenanigans going on next to the flute, I feel like that's the link that is most important, like telling us that both of those things are maybe similar. That wraps us for our parable series. Now, a couple of the diehard fans out there are going to be like, Hoyt's told other stories. These are not his only parables. You guys basically just did Stormlight Archive review one more time. (laughs) I hear you, but you're wrong. Because (laughs) the story that Hoyt tells in Warbreaker, when he is in the Court of the Gods, is not on the same level of a parable. I don't count that as a parable. It is a story. It's more like a myth, and it's much shorter. The shortness is really the only reason it didn't get included, because we talked about that scene in depth in our Warbreaker review. We also have another story that while Hoyt is not the teller, so it's not a parable, it is about Hoyd, and that is called The Traveler, which we read, oh, a long time ago. Many, back many in, ages ago. Yeah, I think in the uh, the 20s or maybe the 40s. Look back in the history, <laughs> find out where The Traveler is, and if you're interested in the specific other Hoyd appearances throughout the Cosmere, they exist in the back catalog as well. And so I just wanted to say for the diehards, all of the Hoydness is covered. We got plenty of Hoyd episodes quick tiny preview of what is coming up likely we are hoping that there will be a state of the sanderson big announcement this week and we will be diving deep into that be doing a spoiler filled sanderson extravaganza for the christmas time there's a spoiler stream coming up as well so we might do 
either one or both of those, depending on when State of the Sanderson comes out. So keep your eye out for that. It is a great time to be asking us questions, because even if you're not able to be at all of these events, if we are able to ask questions, we'll be asking questions from you, from fans, from the patrons. So hit us up if you have questions that you want asked. Speaking of, over on Patreon, we have a very exciting episode coming up because we're finally getting to Cytonic for our book club. I am just so loving this Skyward series. And so if you too are looking for a new series to read and you like the Cosmere, I would highly recommend the Skyward books. And you can always come listen to our bonus episodes on Patreon. And then in the new year, we've got a bunch of great Cosmere stuff coming up for the pod, including a short series on the bookback blurbs, which are written from the perspective of a sleepless. So that's going to be great. Thanks so much for hanging out with us and following along. We look forward to the state of the Sanderson and the end of another great Cosmere year. Brooke, can you take us away? Until next time. Life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. 